Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Hockey Hacks podcast, a proud member of the Heavy Hockey Network. I'm Devin Davidson, your host. With me, as always, Bruce Gunther, who Hello. climbed from the depths of his bathroom, maybe. I'm not sure where you came from, Bruce. Hope you're feeling better. How you doing? Uh, I was mostly off the couch, but yeah, it's between, between laying in bed and the couch, that's about as far as I've moved the past few days. So That's rough. And of course, John ends joining us again for more fun. How you doing, buddy? Howdy. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Uh, Tyler is not here tonight. <laughs> As we were chatting previously in the in the group chat, uh, took a high stick to the mouth, lost three teeth, sounds like, and has a big hole in his face. So that's that's not ideal. It looks hilarious, but slightly painful. Looked very painful. So Tyler, speedy recovery, my friend. We're uh, we're hoping you're feeling better pretty quick because that looked nasty. All right, so here we are, episode one thirty-seven. I'm back in the host chair as Bruce is not feeling hundred percent, but fear not, you'll have that man back in the host chair by Wednesday, hopefully, and hopefully. you'll hear less of me. So that'll be good. <laughs> All right, so episode one thirty-seven, NHL fantasy preview for week five. And as we always do, we're going to kick things off here with John's list. And of course, it's always better when John is actually here. So John, <laughs> take it away. Uh, in the past, it hasn't worked so well because John hasn't been here very much in the past. But hey, we're here now. Andrew Mangiapane, you suck. Um, way to get a guy <laughs> while he's down. Just saying. Uh, one game suspension is what I saw from that. Mm-hmm. Boo. Yeah. Um, dude's trash. Um he puts up trash numbers. I don't like him. Second and it's just a poor play. There was just no need for it. It was just, no. He should have been given five just because there was no need for it. Let alone the hit it, think the cross check itself. Like it was just there was no point to it. Yeah, I get if you want to. It happens lots, right? You give a guy a little jab when he's down or something, but to do like to use your stick across the back of his neck is just kind of a, a greasy play. And I, I didn't like it, so I thought he'd get... Like, a game to me, I guess, is... It didn't look super vicious, I guess. We've, we've seen a lot worse and receive less, so I'm not totally surprised it was one game. Um, But hence, he makes the list this week because it's a garbage play. And I just don't like him. <laughs> Classic John line. I love it. <laughs> All right, on that note then, let's move on to Fantasy Lock of the Week for Week 4, extending from August October 30th to November 5th. And this one may be a bit surprising. I don't know about you, John. Your, your eyes look big it, here too, but... It pains me because... Uh, it pains me because of who he plays for. Yeah, yeah, me too. That makes that makes two, probably three of us with Bruce. Yeah. Um, Hopefully he doesn't get too many points tomorrow night. Well, his brother was is already a two-time Ooh. Fantasy Lock of the Week this year. So, so yeah, I guess so we, yep. we have to say who it is then with Quinny Hughes. Quinny Hughes. Keep it in the family. Quinn Hughes, defenseman for the Vancouver Canucks, 100% rostered in Yahoo and in Fantrax. He's got eight points, or had eight points and one goal this week in three games played. Two of those points came on the power play where Hughes played almost four and a half minutes or 71% power play share. Interestingly enough, he actually fired 11 shots on goal in just three contests, so 3.7 shots on goal per game which is well above his career average of just two. Uh, he's been firing the puck a lot more this year. Hughes leads all NHL defensemen in goals with four and points with 16, and it's not particularly close. 
Going full Eric Carlson this year. Yep. But he can defend. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really interesting to see the the Hughes brothers kind of taking the league by storm right now. Um I saw a graphic, I can't remember who put it out, but Quinn Hughes leading all defensemen in scoring. Um Luke Hughes, his brother who plays on the Devils, is leading all defensemen uh any or rookie defensemen in scoring. And Jack obviously is leading the NHL in scoring. So uh, hell of a family. I'm not incredible. sure what they're what the yeah. water's like, what they're where they live, but uh, Jesus, I gotta get some of that. No kidding. Okay, so there you have it. And actually, we're gonna talk about Hughes' D partner here a bit later in the wave wires because uh, that man has also been very, very effective through the first few weeks of the season. But as we always do, we're gonna go through edge work, starting with the NHL schedule for Week Five. This is the segment where we put in the work to give you the edge in your fantasy hockey leagues. Each week, us hacks are going to cover the NHL schedule and with our targets to guide you to victory. And here's what you need to know. It's hard to believe, but we're already entering week five of the NHL regular season. Week five follows a familiar format with Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday being the full days on the schedule. The remaining days of the week feature six or fewer games, so optimizing for games played will present a challenge throughout the week. There are a total of 51 games on the schedule with four light days. That's days that are 50% or fewer NHL teams in action during week five. In terms of attempting to optimize the schedule for games played, there are a total of nine teams. Columbus, Dallas, Florida, Minnesota, Montreal, San Jose, Tampa, Toronto, and Vancouver. This coming week that provide an advantage with four games played. Of those teams, Florida is the only club to play all four of their games on off nights, followed by Toronto with three games on light days. No teams play fewer than two games this week, with eight teams playing just twice. Quick recap, Monday, four games, Tuesday, 10, Wednesday, three, Thursday, 11, Friday, six, Saturday, 12, and Sunday, four. And if you want to see the notes as to which teams play, how many games, we've included those as well. But um, so the the teams, obviously, the four games we mentioned, and then there's a slew of them that play three. Chicago, New Jersey, and Vegas play two games, and nobody plays one. And so with that, Bruce, we're going to move on to NHL Wivewire targets for Week 5. And this is where we focus on players that are rostered in approximately 50% or less of Yahoo or Fantrax leagues. When considering players to target, we review recent performance, player deployment, upcoming schedule, and more. And Bruce, if you can muster up the energy, why don't you talk to us about Marco Rossi? So Mr. Rossi here has hit some uh, deployment, uh, hit the deployment jackpot. Centering Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy in addition to his role on the top power play unit, Rossi played 22-43 time on ice, 5-43 on the power play on Saturday versus the Rangers. Wish I would have watched that game. It, uh, through the yeah. highlights, it looked fantastic. Uh, deployment that can't be overlooked. Six points, four goals in his last six games played. Four games on the docket for Minnesota in week five. And guess who picked him up off the waiver wire on Saturday night? I guess I'll give you I'll give you one hint. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> wasn't me either. I was like, maybe I should go take a look. And go, oh, Devin's already got him. Never mind. Yeah. Done. Next. Done deal, boys. Sorry. Yeah, I I couldn't help myself. I looked at his point totals, and it was like, holy man, um, he's just looked really good of late. And and how you can't pass up on a guy who's playing with Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy. Yeah. Well, I have the other two guys. So if I would have got him, I would have had the entire line. Well, that would have been nice. Um, it's it's that's, great that he's actually shooting at a career high two point six shots on goal per game. I think that's really encouraging because in the past, last season in nineteen games he had one assist and zero point seven shots on goal. It, like he did literally nothing. After his bouts with all of his injuries and 
health issues he's had. It's just nice to be able to see him get out there and play. And he's now he's playing what they were expecting out of him a couple of years ago. Yeah. He's yeah. hit his stride exactly. and hopefully he can keep hanging on to it. Well, he's still just 32 NHL games into his career. Yeah, he's, yeah. You know, this is a ninth overall pick from 2020. Who He's just 22 years old. And so it takes time for players. Yeah. It's not linear, right? It takes time for these guys nope. to develop and actually become, it's, you know, NHL regulars. So, yeah, I'm excited about that one. Um, lots and lots of potential there. Lots of power play time. I can't believe he played almost 23 minutes against the Rangers. That's that's nuts. That's just wild, yeah. And then, of course, the cherry on top being that he plays four games this week. Um, and just 6% rostered in Yahoo. That blows my mind. <laughs> Still just 46% in fan track. So he is widely available. If you haven't given him a look already, do it. Do it now. Just do it. All right, the next man. This this one pains me a little bit after uh, after Saturday's <laughs> matinee, but he's off to a heck of a start as well in Nashville. John, why don't you talk to us about Ryan O'Reilly? Um, yeah, actually, we uh, here at the Hacks. I mentioned him earlier in the summer that uh, he was a bounce back candidate, and based on the uh, deployment he was going to be getting in Nashville, and in the eleven games, he's got eleven points. He's Playing a decent amount of minutes. He's getting four minutes of power play time on ice, uh, 62% share. And um, the crazy thing is he's still available in over 70% of Yahoo as well. Um, yeah, it uh, definitely pains to to give a shout-out to a guy who just destroyed the, the Oilers. But, hey, this is, <laughs> this is fantasy hockey. You got to do what you got to do, so... Even even if you don't like the guy, I guess you got to do it. Yeah, we we try to remain impartial here on the show. Do we? Well, it, <laughs> in terms of waiver wire targets, I mean, we we have sure. our opinions yeah. for sure. But unless your yeah, name's Corey Perry, or I guess I don't have to worry about Ryan Getzloff <laughs> anymore. So yeah. I don't even know if anyone would pick up Connor McDavid off the waiver wire right now. Good lord! You know what? I'm convinced I jinxed that man, Bruce. This is my fault. This this run is my fault for sure. No, I think this has been coming for a while. I think the I think the magic is finally gone and it's time to time to address some roster needs. Well, since we're going off the rails, let's talk about that a little. No, this is good. This is good because I know we had talked about it previously. I mean, I I had thought about adding the Edmonton Oilers to John's list this week just cuz they've been so abysmal. But John Bruce, give me your thoughts like what what's it going to take to fix this team? Is it fixable before the end of the season <laughs> what's it gonna take to fix them wow um, what's what's the biggest issue they have right now in front of them they can't nobody the wants to play day. and nobody wants to play nobody wants like connor and leon don't look interested in playing at all like it just doesn't connor doesn't have the jump leon doesn't want to like they just there is no energy there at all from any of them the guys that have the biggest energy like i don't know what holloway did to get into or maybe it's because Hallway hasn't done, hasn't put up any points, found his way back into Woodcroft's doghouse. But yeah, I don't know. You like you look at, uh, so you look at McLeod Fogel. Who's the third person on that line? Well, that is Holloway. Uh, Holloway. Yeah, that has been their best line all season. They haven't scored yet, but in terms of you look at the look at the way they play. Yeah, they have been the Oilers' best line all season. It's and 
Yeah. I just, I don't. It's interesting. Like for me, uh, Jay Woodcroft, when he first came in, he, he was, the players were praising him for rolling three and four lines. And Derek Ryan said, you know, everyone had a role and we all would play our roles and, and they had success doing that. And Woodcroft really got away from that towards the end of last season too, but it's just, he leans heavy on his horses and it seems to be every coach has done that now that's come through Edmonton with Connor and Leon. Yeah. And, you know, I had really like mixed feelings of the night to see Sam Gagne score two goals and basically be the Oilers' best player. That pained me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, pained me. <laughs> but Gagne looked great. And the guy just is coming off double hip surgery, and he's, I don't even know how old he is, like 35 years old. Like, he just, that shouldn't be the yeah. case where he's your best player when you have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Evan Bouchard. I've been like, sitting here for two years saying how much I dislike that guy and how much he sucks, and then he goes <laughs> and he does that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, yeah, slap in my face, but... But didn't that make you actually want to be like continue just watching the Oilers? Because when Sam Gagne does stuff like that, he's he's so emotional about it, right? And he just like he's invested. It makes you want to, as a fan, be invested in the team. Well, you look at what he's gone through too, right? He's got mm-hmm. new hips. He's got like everyone basically thought his contract was just a token gesture, right? That he's going to spend some time down in the in AHL and then he's going to join the join management somewhere. Or is it something like that to basically come up and then in one game play? to hair over 13 minutes and basically be the best player on the ice for the game. Like just, like I said, it makes this, what makes this team so perplexing. It's just like, like I said before, it's like the team feels almost like the team feels like, cause they're in such a situation that they can't do anything. They need to do something so wild and so crazy that the team realizes that, Oh shit. Like, like, I know the rumor mill's talking about trades and stuff like that. I don't think Hall will go off and do anything stupid, but you know what? They need to get rid of somebody. And not some sixth, not bottom six guy. They need to get rid of a top six guy. Well, who are they who moving? Is, oh, that's just it. Like, Connor and Leon, can you really? Nuge, you're going to... It doesn't matter what you do, you're going to get run out of town, but this, this team needs a wake-up call, like a serious one. Like... I guess the I guess the wake up call will come when they play San Jose here later this week. If San Jose beats them, then they're pretty much not going to be allowed back into Alberta. I think if that happens, but I, I don't know what to do with this team. They're capped out. They can't make any roster moves because they got no cap space. The players that are there they don't want to play, so we can't even put somebody in the press box. Unless there- he starts playing defensemen as wingers, like that's about. I don't know what else you're going to do. Like I just don't know. I I have a couple issues with this team, and it. There's it's it's all over the ice. It's all over it's it's management, it's everything. Like um the first thing I'll talk about is is it, it does fall back on the players, right? At a certain point, like Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell need to give you some saves. And they haven't done that. And John, you had mentioned it before we came on. They have a worse save percentage collectively than the San Jose Sharks do, and they just gave up twenty goals Oof. in two games. <laughs> right? So that's bad. that's bad. You need oh. better goaltending. It's been absolutely atrocious. The defense needs to be better. I understand they're trying to implement a new defensive structure. It's not working. So that kind of comes up on the coach too. Coaching has been an issue because he plays his bottom six guys two minutes a night, three minutes a night. Um, like I don't, I don't know, Bruce. I don't think you can really do much with your top six, but 
they need production from the bottom six too, right? They they what kills me is that, and someone else made this comment on Twitter. I thought it was hilarious. The Oilers were a middling team in 2005, 2006. They added Chris Pronger, Dwayne Rollison, um, Spotcheck. There's like a handful and yeah. a slew of names. Yeah, Michael Peck, I think, was one on the, like maybe he's mm-hmm. on the team already. But they did yeah. that. They actually added impactful players somehow. And I get that it was it was a different time, but they added players that mattered, and those guys contributed. And what did the Oilers do this past summer? All they did, they didn't make any meaningful changes to that roster. They added Connor Brown, yeah. and now that yeah. guy is on the IR again or wherever he's sitting. And and we're gonna pay him three point four million dollars next season because. Well, and the, and the guy that gave them some actual life last year when they traded for him isn't is in Detroit right now. Yeah, actually, two of them are. One is in Detroit, and one's in Seattle. As much as Yamo was around for cap issues, you're almost beginning to wonder: Did losing Koskin and Yamo, Koskin, sorry, and Yamo have more more of an effect on this team than we thought it would? Absolutely, because it's like there is no. Look what Steve Eisman's no- doing. Look at what he's doing, right? The Iser plan. And I know a lot of people poo-pooed on that guy this summer, but like he brought in Daniel Sprong. Daniel Sprong's been fantastic. Um, yeah. He, like, Debrinket's been lights out. Debrinket's like. been amazing. Look at what that team is doing right now. And I honestly, so a lot of this comes back to, I think we kind of have a lame duck GM. I think we need somebody who can actually make some creative moves and bring in impactful players. Because Edmonton, for whatever reason, you've got the two best players in the world, and you can't bring in impactful players to play in the bottom six. Like, yeah. we are not a better team on paper and definitely not on the ice as the results have shown. Um, it's just so, so frustrating to watch. And then, yeah, I wonder, too, if it's time for a coaching change. Like, Woodcroft has a great winning percentage, but the team, and you, Bruce, you mentioned it, to me, they look like a team that's playing to get their coach fired. Almost, yeah. I never thought of it that way, but that would, it would, make, that would make sense because it just, I don't know. Well, and the thing is, I don't, I don't mind... I find Woodcroft a little quirky, but I don't. I don't see him as a bad. Co- I don't see him as a bad coach. But as some, I think I read on Twitter or somewhere today too. If you fire Woodcroft, you let the players off the hook again. Yeah, that's right. And that is and part of the issue. And that's that's part of it, right? Because because yeah. Woodcroft is very limited in what he can do. He doesn't have a. Uh, a group sitting in the press box that he can draw from. There is no forward up there for him to draw from. Yeah. He's got a couple of, def- does he even have a couple of defensemen? I think he might have one defenseman now up there. That That's it. Like there's no, there's no spare bodies. Everyone that's up, I think is playing except for maybe one. Def- no, not even. They sent Broberg down, didn't they? They did. And, and that goes back to my comments about the GM Bruce, because you look at his draft record and I know that they made some changes this summer too internally, but Dylan Holloway at this point really doesn't look like the player you hoped he'd be. Maybe part of that's deployment. And and like I said, you gotta be patient with young players. But Broberg, like for a seventh or eighth overall pick, that right now looks like a major whiff. Oh, and I don't know if his development has been fantastic either. Like it's mm-hmm. yeah. I know when Holland came in, he said he was gonna let his prospects over percolate in the AHL. Well, he has not done that. At all. Yeah. Well, they've been forced to play spots because the team is completely capped out. And and that's for sure part of the issue as well. Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, well, thanks, Ryan O'Reilly, for really setting us on a tangent yeah. there. Um, <laughs> but there you go. So that's Tuesday when it will continue. Yeah. So there's a player to look at. Three games on the on the docket for this week. Um, next we got Jaden Schwartz. So he's 25% rostered for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, 35% in fan tracks, but he's been really good. Off to a hot start. 10 points, five goals in 12 games to date. He's got eight points in his last six. His 68-point pace is his best since 2017-2018, and nine and a half shots on goal per 60 is a career high for him. He has an 83.5% IPP and uh, almost 15% individual shooting percentage, and those are red flags to be sure, but I'm going to ride the hot hand while I can. He's playing on that uh, second line with Alexander Wenberg and Jordan Eberle, and he's on power play one. Playing Arizona, Colorado, and Edmonton this week, and the way that the Oilers are giving up goals, uh, that's probably a guy that I would like to target. <laughs> exactly. If you're playing the Oilers, pick him up. <laughs> well, and I, I got everybody will score. I'm very curious. Cool. I think Jaden Schwartz has, in his career, actually been very good against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he has seven points, three goals in his last ten. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Plus a good Saskatchewan kid, so we're... Uh, Absolutely. Vote of confidence for him. We're biased. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about uh, Riley Smith-Bruce. He's looking pretty good so far in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's off to a great start in Pittsburgh. He's on pace for 90 points with 11 points, six goals through 10 games played. Smith has been particularly hot recently with seven points and four goals after his last over his last four games. And is claiming time on the po- claiming time on the top power play unit in the last two contests. For uh, everything that's going wrong in Pittsburgh right now, he's one of the few things that's going in the right direction. So they can't seem to win either. But Riley Smith on power play one was that on your summer bingo card, Bruce? No, I did not. No, it was kind of my idea of their fall. I mean, and I talked at length about Carlson running that power play, right? Mm-hmm. So if they weren't going to run two defensemen on that, if they weren't going to run both Latang and Carlson on, on the first power play, there's going to be an open spot, right? And they've been kind of rotating people through. It's been Raquel, it's been Smith, and Smith is the latest one to be to be part of that. I want to give Brian Rust some love because that guy had four points against San Jose, and he's off to a fantastic start so far. And that guy probably deserves some time on power play one too. Yeah, he considering his bad season he had last year, he's off to a he's off to a good start this season as well. I think he's one of our bounce back candidates we talked about, Bruce. And Gino's been so. Gino's been fire as well. So yeah, he's been fantastic. He's on pace for yeah. almost he's on pace for almost sixty goals. He's got seven, I think, in ten games. I'd love to see Malkin score sixty this year. That'd be fantastic. That, it that would, would be make, actually. That would make me happy. All right. Um, yeah, left wing, right wing eligible too. So Riley Smith, available in about 50% of Yahoo and Fantrax leagues. Go give him a look. Uh, Anaheim, LA, and Buffalo this week. John, talk to us about Sean Monahan. I think we mentioned <laughs> him maybe say, last week or the week before. but I Yeah, and uh, in past years, I didn't think we'd ever really be mentioning him again as a, uh, as a guy who's lighting it up. But uh, yeah, Sean... He's been he's been great. Uh, points in five straight games, ten points in eleven games so far. Uh, Kerbadoc being out, he's uh, definitely uh, benefited from that 
Uh, unfortunately for for Kirby, there he can't seem to catch a break with injuries. But uh, Monahan, yeah, he's been he's been great uh, with that opportunity in the top six and um, four games on schedule this week. Uh, Tampa Bay, Detroit, Boston, Vancouver. But that uh, second line with Tanner Pearson and Brendan Gallagher and that time on PP one, it's definitely good for him. He's looked great. Uh, I picked him up in one league. I think. I think I dropped him for Rossi just last night. I think that was the player I made that different, that change for. But because the my only concern with Monaghan this week is is Tampa, Detroit, Boston, Vancouver. They've all been pretty good. So that you may see that point streak come to a to a halt here. But yeah, Monaghan's looked really good. The the bounce back tour is in full swing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the other guy I just want to mention quickly was Matthew Nye's left wing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, 15% rostered. He was practicing on the top left-wing spot with Matthews and Marner at practice today. So probably a priority add for this coming week. But keep that in mind. Uh, Bruce, we're going to move on to defenseman now, starting with Eric Gustafson. What do you got for us? So Mr. Gust- Gustafson here. He is rostered 13% in Yahoo is probably going to become a very popular guy, as we mentioned. With uh, Adam Fox moved on to, uh, gosh, I think it's LTIR, I think, if I remember correctly. It was LTIR, yeah. So he's going to be out for, what is it, 24, 10 games, 24 days? Is that what it is? I, I think that's LTIR? what it is, yeah. So, and they've got uh, Gustafson to slot into the, uh, into the first power play and fill in for him, so... He played, uh, was it five, just over five minutes of uh, power play time on ice, which is a 56% share. Uh, should be uh, a good hold, at least for the time until, until Fox is back on the, back in the lineup anyway. Is they, what do they have this? So the Rangers are right now the third best power play in the NHL at 32.4%. And he already had Four points, two goals, and ten games already this season. But he's been off, held off the score sheet in the last four games. But that will that will change very, very quickly here. Well, and that was before he had a goal and an assist against the Rangers. So yeah, that was um, against so, the Rangers. Yeah, against so Minnesota. He, he's got six points. Or sorry, against Minnesota. My apologies. Um, <laughs> score on himself. Yeah, <laughs> he's doing he's doing great picking up those points. Um, hey, Igor, check this out. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was it was quick in goal, I think, right? Because Igor yes, is a little banged up. Uh, yeah, six points in eleven games. He's looking pretty good, and just about ninety percent power play share. So they're going to run him out as a power play specialist. Yeah, I mean, this guy's shown in the past too. He can run a power play um, effectively, very effectively. Yeah, yep. He had that sixty point season with Chicago in 2018-2019. Forty two points last season with Washington and Toronto. Uh, he had 14 power plays last 14 power play points last season. So Toronto should have kept him and not signed Klingberg and saved themselves some cap money. Yep. That probably would have been a smart play. For sure. So yeah, I, I like that one. Um playing with Ryan Linger on the second pairing is is great. And then yeah, power play one. So um I gotta talk about this one. John, and I'll... Uh, <laughs> Good, because otherwise that would have pained me again. <laughs> I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you talk about Kalen Addison, but uh, Philip Roenick. So we talked about Quinn Hughes at the top of the show here. Philip Roenick, his D partner, has been absolutely lights out for the Vancouver Canucks so far this season. He is 68% rostered, but we just felt like, you know, 
over 30% available still, uh, probably worth talking about a little bit. He's, he's 85% rostered in fan track, so obviously he, he's not a, it's not a well-kept secret at this point, but he does play four games this week, Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, uh, playing on the top pairing, like I said, with Quinn Hughes, and on power play two. He's playing big, big minutes. Um, like I think he played 25. Well, he's averaging, I think, uh, over 24 minutes a, a night, but 11 points in 11 games and 30% power play share. He looks like a really, really good option, especially in deep leagues. Um, so I did pick him up as well, Bruce. You like to joke about me making my <laughs> my waiver wire picks public, but this is a guy who I, I was looking for someone to kind of help out on D, and and uh, I made that change. He looks really good so far. He has the uh, the pairing Heronic and Hughes. I think is the top ranked pair in the NHL right now, if I remember correctly from them talking last night during the uh, Hockey Night in Canada broadcasts. Yeah, he's looked good, and typically he's been a, a really nice option in bash leagues. So um, blocks, assists, shots, hits. Um, One point two seven blocks per game right now this season. Uh, typically he's been around or just over one, and then for hits right now he's at point seven three, but last year he was at one point six. Um, so some good category coverage that way too. And then if he's going to put up a few power play points. Uh, and then if the the offense continues too, like I think this is a valuable option for sure. Yeah, and like Definitely. you said, he's he's putting up almost he's putting up over twenty five, almost twenty six minutes a night. So uh, if you're at least counting them shifts, <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Got to get those shifts. Oh man! All right. Well, on that note, John, why don't you tell us about Kalen Addison? He's getting some shifts too. Uh yeah, Kalen Addison uh rostered five percent in Yahoo, fifty seven or and he's fifty seven percent in fan tracks. Four games this week against the Islanders, Rangers, Buffalo and Dallas. Um so he's definitely gonna get some time. Um playing on that top power play for the wild, averaging over seventeen minutes a night, nearly seven seventy percent power play share. Uh he's got five points in eleven games, I believe. And yeah, it's definitely been his most promising season and definitely excited to see what he's got, got coming. Like he's just a young guy, 23 years old. So, um, yeah, nothing but, but good coming from him, it seems. So definitely, uh, definitely a good person to keep an eye on, especially with those four games. Yeah. Again, lots of promise here. Um, just 91 games into his career too. So just another one of those young players who over time will become more valuable, hopefully. Um, but hard to pass the the four games and on the on the top power play unit there. So if you're looking for some power play points, that's a good option there too. All right, let's move on to goaltenders and John, I'm gonna go right back to you for Joel Hofer because you were <laughs> you were just talking about this guy and then Bruce, I'll go to you for the last one. All right. <laughs> well, we brought up Joel Hofer just because of the inconsistency that's been St. Louis goaltending. Uh, Bennington, he's been really good, and then he sucked, and then he's, of course, as soon as he sucked for three games, and then he comes <laughs> back, and he's like, oh, I'm going to play well today. So, But um, Joel Hofer, um, he's he's been decent for the starts that he's gotten. Um, last couple games, he got that uh, shutout against Calgary, and in Montreal, he um, had a over 900 save percentage on that one, a 909 with the 33 shots against. But, yeah, it's just the inconsistency of of Bennington, sorry, sometimes that kind of 
has me a little concerned with uh, with rostering Bennington all the time. Uh, Joel Holfer, he's just a young guy, and he's going to be coming into the league, and he's been a he's been a stud anywhere he went. So, um, I'm seeing good things from him. Yeah, I know he's looked great. Um, he's got two wins in his last two starts with a 1.50 goals against and a 9.50 save percentage. So, hopefully, he gets a little bit more of that net share moving forward. The problem we've talked about this lots is that Bennington is wildly inconsistent, but he's still getting paid like Correct. a legitimate yeah. NHL starter, and that's not going to change. And nobody's going to take that contract looking at his inconsistent no. plays. So now they kind of just have to ride it out and try to make it work with Bennington. Because um, at times he can give you some really good goaltending, right? We, we, Bruce, we joked about it earlier in the season. Like I had picked him up just as like a third or a fourth option on my roster. Yeah. And he gave me probably three or four really high quality starts. Yeah. Well, look in the playoffs. What was that? Two seasons ago. Yep. Until he got hurt, they almost he almost system system sorry single handedly removed the Colorado Avalanche from the playoffs for sure. Once he got hurt, the Blues fell apart. But like he was the only reason why St. Louis was in those games, and they were beating Colorado. Yep. And then he got hurt, and then but yet back in the regular season, the guy can't stop a beach ball. Like it's I don't get it. But yeah. He's an odd one, but I, th- I think Joel Hofer, yeah. particularly if you're in a in a keeper or a dynasty format, this is a guy you got to keep a close eye on. Um, mm. And he, yes. and with his play, yeah. he's showing why. Yeah. If the season for the Blues goes as we all kind of project, it's going to. I wouldn't be very surprised as we as the season wears on, you'll see Hofer getting more and more of the starts over Bennington because they they want to see what they've got here, and you never they're going to be looking towards the future and. They maybe they can find someone where they can either trade Bennington off or we'll find a way to buy him out if it's if the season goes historically bad again. I was just going to take a look actually at um, Bennington's contract because I'm really curious what the buy would be on that player. Oh, I never. never <laughs> I'm guessing it's not going to be a, not be a nice number. Oh yeah, he's in year three of his of his six year deal. So that'd be six years at what? Six million bucks. So, well, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the buyout, you mean. So it's what? Is it two-thirds over double the? Yeah. Or is it one-third over the buyouts? You're probably still looking at two million a season for the next six seasons to buy him out. Uh, Although that wouldn't be that bad, honestly. Just do it. <laughs> Look at what Minnesota did. Their cap hits for the next couple of years are going to be ugly. Yeah. But they're going to find a way to do it. Okay, hold on. So if I if I did this correctly on Puckpedia, uh, it looks like if you were to buy it out this season, he would be, the actual cap hit would be $666,000 this year, next year, and then in 20. 25, 26, it goes to 1.6 million. Then in 2026, 27, it goes to 3.6 million. And then 2.1, 2.1, 2.1, 2.1. So it's it's a pretty significant cap it, although the cap is going to continue to go up. Right. And that that if, it might make some sense. Does Bruce. Go up, yeah. If the cap does go up and he doesn't Bennington doesn't have a good season, I'm all over that. Because you've got Hofer like Oh, as well, we get into our, our, our next guy here. I'll, something else came up. I watched the uh, 
I watched the Oilers game on Saturday afternoon. So, uh, oh, here, let me talk about, uh, let me talk about Mr. Allen first and then we'll get into that. So, for sure. Yep. Go for it. Next guy on our list here is Jake Allen. So he's also off to a good start for this, the season for the Canadians. He's sporting a three and one record in his last four appearances, a 940 save percentage and a 2.2 goals against average. Gee, I wonder who else team could use something like that right now. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> Allen has been a, has been the better netminder in Montreal to date. In what is a clear cut tandem with a four game schedule coming up, he's probably going to get two starts for the 33 year old tender. So get to my story now. So watching the Oilers game and just the end of the game, they're what saying how bad Campbell is and stuff like that. They brought up a list of goaltenders this season that were available at, at the time. Jack, the Oilers signed Campbell. There was Alan Dostal. There was a whole whole bunch of them. And they're all sporting like nine, ten or better save percentages and stuff this season. And it was just and I think the most expensive goalie on that one, I think, was Allen. It was just amazing what but it's like Holland focused in on Campbell. That's what he wanted. And as we all see how well it's going so far. Yeah. I don't know how they're I don't know how they're gonna get rid of that. Well, and the bio doesn't look nearly as appealing like if you were to buy a Bennington's contract what I like about that is that you get two seasons where he's below league minimum yeah and on that bio right and then the third season yeah. in 2025 26 it goes to about a million and a half dollars that's great because now you've got three seasons to work with where you hope the cap continues to go up and that yeah. and that cap hit is is little to nothing and then you start exactly. paying for it in future years well with the Oilers and Jack Campbell if you buy him out it's 1. 1.5, 1.1, 2.3, 2.6, 1.5, 1.5, 1.5, 1.5. Like it's just, it's kind of significant the whole way through. You don't really get a, a short-term yeah. break. Um, now, mind you, he is making whatever it is, 5 million bucks a season. So, Yeah, know. he's definitely not playing like a $5 million goaltender. That is for sure. And he's in year two of his contract. That's the super frustrating thing. Like... I don't know. And then Stuart Skinner. I mean, he hasn't been great either. He's been actually been terrible this year, but. Seems like just everyone's bringing each other down. Yeah. They just, like the, yeah. the forwards haven't been great. The defense hasn't been good at all. And goaltending sucks too. So. Yeah. Just nothing, nothing is going right for Edmonton at this point of the season. So hopefully we're talking about this uh, in the springtime and we're laughing about it because we're all a bunch of crybabies and the Oilers are still making the playoffs, but right now it doesn't look very good. So, No, it sure doesn't. Okay, well, on that note, guys, uh, let's maybe just put a bow on this episode. I think that's probably enough griping for now. Uh, we, can always, we, can, we can whine off air if we choose to. Uh, we won't subject all of our listeners to that. So uh, that's it for the show this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us on Twitter or X at FH Hacks and on Instagram at Fantasy Hockey Hacks. Uh, the website as well, check that out, fantasyhockeyhacks.com. And don't forget to check out our live show, Hacks Hangout, every Wednesday, 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on edmontonsportstalk.com. We're also live streaming that on youtube.com slash heavyhockey. Make sure you uh, chime in, send in your questions, let us know what you're thinking. Um, that's probably the perfect forum. If you want to bitch about the Oilers, join us on Heavy Hockey on Wednesday nights. There will be lots. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bruce, John, thanks, boys. And Tyler, feel better. We'll talk to you guys next. Uh, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Hey, good night. Bye, Felicia. Take care. <laughs>